we, of course, want to have, all want to have a lot of friends, and if we're honest, probably be known as somebody who's got a lot of friends. We might think of that as normal, and I, I don't know. I'm not convinced that it is. Uh, I think that a lot of it's a product of, of our culture, of our sort of Facebook social media culture, where, at least on Facebook, you, you know, you friend people, you have friends, and you can see how many friends people have. I, I think that's how it works, gosh, I don't know, I don't really do Facebook, but um, I know that that's affected our culture, and so we don't just think about, hey, the circle of friends that I actually have and invest in as persons and people I see and engage with, but also we kind of think of friends as people on the internet that we know that are our Facebook friends. Um, and maybe that's passe, but, uh, I think that has informed our friendship, our idea of friendship in our, in our culture in the West. And, um, I mean, globally, but, uh, in the Bible, um, God is, uh, only called, only one person is called the friend of God. One person. Now, I'm not saying God didn't have other friends. I think it'd be, you could make a strong case of the fact that, of course, he does. Um, but I'm saying that the Bible says explicitly that he only calls one man, one person, God's friend. And who is that? It's Abraham. In James 2.23, we're told that Abraham was a friend of God. Now, I bring that up because to ask this question, what kind of a friend was was a God to Abraham? Certainly a friend who made serious demands on Abram's life, such demands that uh, it changed the course of Abram's life. It changed his name to Abraham. Uh, it changed the course of the world. What kind of friend was God to Abraham? He, he, <laughs> through that friendship, he has pledged to change, to renew creation. He gave Abraham the promise that through him, he would bless all the families of the earth. And we know that through Abraham, we have, we, we have received, we, we have Messiah, Jesus. Jesus came through the line of Abram, through that promise given to to Abram by God through that friendship, wherein God committed himself to Abram, to be Abram's friend. And we get salvation through that. We get friendship with God through that. All of creation is being renewed and will indeed be perfectly renewed one day through that. Through that, through that one friendship, God had one friend, we could say. Uh, and yet through that one friend, he, uh, he committed himself entirely to the point of going to the cross. He committed himself more, as much as anyone could possibly commit themselves. What's my point? And by the way, this is not my point. I'm taking, I'm stealing this from uh, Peter Williams of Tendo House, who made this point in a Bible study once that I was in. And, and uh, the point is that we get in the Proverbs, which we're going to be looking at for the next Really, 13 weeks, we'll have a slight interruption where we'll do three weeks on our life together as a, as a family of sojourn churches in Houston. But leading all the way up till Advent in, uh, in December, 
or we always look at a gospel, we will be in the Proverbs this fall. And um, we're going to look at discrete topics every week. So I'm starting this week with friendship, and um, and we'll look at a different one next week. Friendship and neighbors, really, because uh, the, the same word is used in the Proverbs for both a friend and, and a neighbor, and it depends on context as to how you translate it. But that alone tells us something. Um, but we'll get to that maybe in a second. But it tells us um, God, uh, God being a friend to Abram and really saying that Abram alone being called the friend of God in the scriptures shows us a picture opposite of the picture maybe that we have in our culture of, of amassing a friendship as someone who's amassed a bunch of friends and kind of like you keep a, you have a tally of your friends and you kind of know what's going on in their lives through pictures and short stories and all that. Those are superficial friendships. The Bible gives us a picture of really having a few friends and committing yourself to them through thick and through thin. And those friendships can make you a better person and should and can change your life. Certainly did with Abraham and they should with us. And so that's really a picture of the Proverbs give to us. And we'll, we'll dive into that more. I'm, I want to, uh, just in this short message, sort of talk about four. We're going to be looking at various Proverbs on friendship. Um, throughout the, the book of Proverbs, which really gives us God's wisdom for living, for living well. Um, but the, and I saw, what, is the, what does Proverbs say about friendship? Four things. It says more than that, but I've just chosen four. And the first one here that I mentioned, um, just in this opener with God, uh, with Abram being called a friend of God and God being a friend to Abram, who fully committed himself and is changing the world through, through that friendship. Is, is, is the characteristic of faithfulness. What is a, a friend in the Proverbs, a good friend? A friend is someone who's faithful. Um, and we will get back to that in a second, but just a few preliminary things here. Um, you know, I want to look at the Proverbs this fall, partly just for selfish reasons, just personally need wisdom in life in a number of ways, and there's no better place than the Proverbs. Um, God's wisdom for just living well. Here's the fabric of the universe. Here's how it works. Um, total life hacks straight from the mouth of God. M- many of them through the wisest man that ever walked the planet. A man who was given God's wisdom in, in ample measure, Solomon. Um, but also, just I think, sort of zooming out, not just do I need wisdom, I do, but just in this time of in the West, I think there's maybe, certainly, certainly in my lifetime, I think we need Proverbs more than ever. We are a culture, a society that is unmoored, anchorless, drifting, up is down, down is up. We don't have uh, something that isn't shifting. We don't have something solid that we can, we don't have roots. We are just, any anything that we feel or desire, we go after. We are making ourselves what we want to be Uh if we see something we think is going to make us happy, we go after it. And we're told that's the way to happiness. Um, we are told that we are self-determining. Um, you know, there's there's no there's not even such a thing in our in our culture now as, as gender. You know, we we are the gender or the non-gender that we say we are, and we're we're told that that's the way to happiness. And if I can't if I can't self-determine, um, if I can't follow my feelings and my impulses, then you're keeping me from happiness and from fulfillment and from finding life's purpose. Well, that's, you know, that's uh, poison. And so we need an anchor. 
And, and Proverbs gives us that. It tells us how to live well, according to God's word, according to who he is and according to how he's made us to be, according to the fabric of the universe, not according to our whims and fancies. Um, I'm not starting. I'm just starting. I'm starting with a discrete topic, friendship, because uh, if you're part of Sojourn Galleria, you know that we since COVID, we moved to a largely a house church model and we open up these scriptures together and discuss them. And we have facilitators and teachers uh, and I and I give notes for the for that time. But uh, I I will preach next. So I'm, I'm only, we only all gather together as house churches once um once a month and so we're gathering in a couple weeks and when we do that i'll sort of give as it were an opener a sort of intro to the proverbs and talk about the fear of god and why we need god's wisdom um and how that serves as a foundation for living and so that'll be that would typically be the the sort of the opener to a 13-week series on the proverbs but um you know why the proverbs at all let's start with the fear of god that's going to come in a few weeks so we're just looking at friendship and and um and neighboring Today, I'm, I'm going to be quoting uh, both in our house church notes and, and, and I'm sure from the pulpit a fair amount from three men, Tim Keller, Tramper Longman and, and Derek Kidner. Um, and that because largely because well, they all give wonderful commentaries on the Proverbs, but also they all give uh, thematic breakdowns of the Proverbs because the Proverbs are really um, they're not scattershot, but they are they're aphorisms. Um, God's truth for living and. They don't follow, aside from some frames and some other things that happen um, in the book, sort of from a macro perspective, we really just get little bits of wisdom. It's got to throw out, and one subject can, can change to the next with, with lightning speed from verse to verse. And so I think looking at these things um, thematically is, is, is helpful as opposed to going chapter by chapter. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, so friendship in the ancient world um, was something that was extremely, it was emphasized by degrees, certainly in the biblical world. It was something that was extremely prized and valued in various ancient cultures. I think in some ways in our culture, less so. Today, partly because of what I just mentioned about Facebook friends, we've sort of, uh, we have a shallow, excavated view in a lot of ways of a friend, um, as someone who likes me, um, someone who I can go hang out with. That's not really at all the view of, of a good, of a good friend, certainly in the biblical worldview. Um, but also because I think we, we have an obsession with, with eros, with, the, with erotic or romantic love, which certainly is, is one of the loves that we have been gifted with by God, but um, it sort of overshadows friendship in our culture, I think, in a lot of ways. Everything's about romantic love. There's not nearly as much, much emphasis on on uh, the love of friendship, uh, phileo, in the Greek. And so, um, you know, Keller makes the point that early in life we're shaped most by our families, but later in life we're shaped most by our friends. We don't choose our families and... We don't choose our church families. Um, we don't choose those that we get to work that we that we get to work with typically, unless we're doing the hiring. Um, we don't, you know. And he even and Keller even says, you know, even though you think about you choose your erotic or romantic um, relationships, well, yes, but there's a sense in which you're, they're thrust upon you through um, I don't know if they 
impulse, but through certainly through strong desire. Friendships are different. Friendships, we get to choose. Friendships are based on, um, on an aligning of views, on an aligning of, of loves. And C.S. Lewis talks about it as you find a friend when you, you find someone and that has, that loves something like you do. You say, you too, you're, you love that too. You find that beautiful as well. And a friendship can form around that. Um, so there's a sense in which friendships, um, the, the friends that we choose are so important. And the Proverbs really speak to friendships as um, talking about really having the way that we need to be a good friend and commit to friends in a healthy way means that we can't have a ton of them. So we need to choose our friends really wisely. Um, they will shape us. Uh, what are the marks of a good friend? Like I said, the, I, I'm just going to focus on four briefly. Faithful is the first mark that I found in the Proverbs. Um, Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend loves at all times. And then um, goes on to talk about there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Um, so a good friend's love is constant. When the chips are down, the friend is going to be the one that's there. A friend sticks. To be a fair weather friend, in the according to the to biblical wisdom, is not to be a friend at all. Um, and that's you know you 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 hear strong resonances of this in traditional wedding vows, um, Christian wedding vows. You know, um, in sickness and in health, um, uh, for richer, for poor, till death do us part. And so there's a you know there's a very strong sense in which a marriage ought to be more than this, but not less than a very strong friendship and it can a friendship grows over time because you're going to stick and you're not going when things get hard for the other person you're not just going to run away and you know they're not going to ease you there through thick and thin and so that's how um that patina forms that iron forms um that binds you that, that binds your souls together and um and so there and there are friends that we that we will turn to uh, or that will turn to us when the chips are down, that will stick closer sometimes than even family. And those are the friends that, that really matter. Those are the kind of friends that we want to choose. And, and more than that, that we want to be because um, all that we can control is ourselves. Um, so, you know, when a friend falls, when your friend falls on hard times and when a crisis hits, do you move closer or farther away? So often you can see who your real friends are when the crap hits the fan in your life. Maybe when you've been shamed because of a sin that's gone public or, or whatever, when you lose your wealth. Um, I've heard more than one story of a husband or wife leaving. Typically, it's the wife because typically it's the husband that, that makes the money, but that's changing in our culture. But um, when a spouse leaves because because their spouse has lost lost their wealth, and that's sad. Um, but a true friend doesn't do that. And, and you know, Jesus just shines... In, in all these studies and in the study of friendship, he shines as we look at what a true friend is because, of course, he's the ultimate example of someone who, when our chips, when the chips are down in our life, when we've rebelled against him, when we've hated him, when we've nailed him to the cross, he's chosen to be there and to be nailed by the cross, to be nailed to the cross by us to save us. Um, you talk about a friend who sticks closer than a brother and a friend who, who, who is there for us when the chips are down, when things are bad, Jesus. 
and he is the ultimate friend. And he didn't, he doesn't just come to save us, to be our savior and take us to heaven. He comes to be our friend, to walk with us and to be known by us and to know us. And so I want to encourage you, maybe you're a Christian, you know, maybe you're not a Christian. Come to Christ as, as a friend. He's the best friend you'll ever have. He wants to be fully known by you and to fully know you. And he does know you, but he wants you to open himself up, open yourself up to him. Um, and if you're a Christian, maybe you have a shallow relationship with your savior. Maybe you haven't really ever thought about the fact that he is in this for a deep friendship. Well, he is, he's jealous. He's a jealous God. He's jealous to be, uh, the lover of your soul and your dearest friend, your portion, as the psalmist says. And, um, so, um, Okay. Yeah, and I guess I just want to say lastly before moving on to the second characteristic after faithful, be a faithful friend and seek out faithful friends that um, I think it's Keller who just talks about. He says, you know, good friends don't grow on trees, nor can you have a large number of them. Give more time to the ones that you have. Again, um, Facebook culture sort of urges the opposite. Just gather more and more and more and more and more friends. Be you know, focus on a few that have these characteristics and seek to become a friend who has these characteristics. Faithful. They stick when things are bad. Pour yourself, pour yourself into these friendships and, and cultivate them. And uh, they'll, they'll change your life. And you'll change theirs. Um, so faithful. The second characteristic is, is, a, good, is a good friend. Is a friend is generous and helpful. Um, let me just read this to anchor my point here from the Proverbs. It's Proverbs three, twenty-seven through 30 it says this, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. And again, like I said, the word for neighbor and friend are the same in the Hebrew. And that says a lot that we may get into in a second. Um, one of the things that it says is that you should be a friend to those close by you. And that's actually one of the four, one of the four characteristics of a friend in the Proverbs is that a friend is near. A friend is close by. But your neighbors, by virtue of being neighbors, are near. And so we ought to be friends to our neighbors. We ought to open up our hearts and our lives to them and our homes to them. And there's, we really do live in a culture, right, where we kind of come into the driveway, close the gate and go into our house and then leave again. But um, the Proverbs speak about a life where we, we open our lives up and pour our lives into those that we live by. And that's really a challenge to me. Um, it's a challenge to our church and our church is really built around that sort of thing, to be in proximity with one another, to share lives with each other and to share lives with our neighbors and to draw them into the beauty of, the, of fellowship with the living God through Christ. And so this is, the Proverbs really speak to that. Um, but be generous and helpful. Um, that's that's a, a characteristic of a, of a proverbial friend. 25, Proverbs 25, 17 talks about not being a free a freeloader, not presuming on your neighbor's kindness and hospitality, being a giver more than a taker, giving the best of what you have. Um, Time and money and food and drink, yes, physical things, but also um, of your knowledge of Jesus Christ. How can we be a good friend to someone and not 
share with them the most important thing in our lives and the most important thing in life period. Um, by this knowledge of Christ that we possess, our neighbors can be delivered from the wrath to come um, and from their current lives of, of, of dissatisfaction and hopelessness and despair and certainly death if they continue down the path of walking apart from Christ and apart from friendship with, with Christ. No longer do I call you servants, but friends. That's what Christ came to bring us into. Not just to save us from a negative, the wrath of God and our misery that sin has created, but to bring us into um, a positive friendship with the living God. And so, like I said, the third characteristic, uh, in addition to faithfulness and then generosity and, and, um, and hospitality is a, um, sorry, generosity and helpfulness is nearness, just nearness. It's the third characteristic to be a good friend is a, is a friend or a neighbor who is near. Um, you know, a, a friend, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's sojourn. Uh, we want our, our ecclesiology is built on this. Our ministry um, praxis and, and philosophy is built around the idea that we want to be close to each other because the church is called church isn't a building. It's a people. It's the people of God that God has saved for himself. And we are to be a people who share that life with others, share that good news that Christ has came to bring, come to bring us into with others. And so we want, if we're a family, families share life. Um, and to share life, you have to live close by. You have to be proximate. You have to be near. And so we want to um, not be a commuter, a commuter church, but to really live close to each other and to bring our neighbors um, into, to sort of envelop them and bring them into the life of God through being generous with them and loving with them and opening up our lives and hearts to them. So um, nearness really does arise as being, when you look at friendship in the Proverbs as being a characteristic of a, of a friend, a good friend and neighbor's near. Um, we, wanna, we want to be near um, neighbors and friends at Sojourn. We want to live nearby. We want to be involved in each other's lives. We want to um, be close enough that we know what's going on, how to help when crisis strikes, when things just something something's off with our neighbor or something hits in their life that throws them off kilter and they start asking questions that they don't normally ask, and maybe they're soft to the gospel for the first time, and maybe for the last time, we want to be near enough to be able to sense that and speak, to have enough, to have a strong enough bridge that we've built to be able to put some weight on it and speak Christ into that. Um, Os Guinness calls that a signal of transcendence moment. Talks, he gives a variety of examples. We've all, we, we're all familiar with them, with some of them, but talks about an old Marxist atheist couple who had a kid late in life that were maybe both professors or something intellectual and um, very secular humanist and Darwinist. And they, uh, they had no interest in God, of course. And then they had a kid late in life and they kind of started asking questions like, well, do we want to pass this stuff down to our kid? Do we really believe this stuff? Um, is it workable? Is it livable? And uh, so that was a signal of transcendence moment that kind of came through a, an oopsie, a surprise child late in life. And, um, and that was, a, that was a, a soft moment. And, um, you know, it can happen through crisis. It can happen in lots of ways. Um, so being near enough. And Keller, Tim Keller calls this sensitivity. Um, to be near enough physically, but also emotionally. To be tuned into your friend's state of mind and heart that you, you respond to him appropriately or her appropriately at the right, the right time. And you see that in Proverbs twenty five twenty, 
Um, to know another's, and I'm quoting Keller again, to know another's inner topography well enough to know what hurts or helps, what inspires or bores, what stimulates or irritates. And he goes on, if I can be content when you're sad, I'm not your friend. That's, we see that in Proverbs 25, 20. Um, friends voluntarily tie their hearts to one another. And who, di- who has done that more than Jesus? Who literally tied his eternal destiny, his body and his ever-living soul to our own estate? Um, what a friend we have in Jesus. Paul commanded in Romans twelve fifteen, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Again, who does this more or better than Jesus? Um, he tied himself so much to us that he, he wore our misery in our sin like a cloak, Second Corinthians 5.21. And so he brings us into his joy. The fourth and final characteristic in, that we see in the Proverbs, again, there are more. I've chosen four. They sort of rose to the top. Are, um, and, 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 I can, and I will read um, a couple verses here, is honesty. Just a friend, a, a friend, a good friend, a proverbial friend is honest. Of course, right? Um, but, but no, not of course, because I'm gonna the way that I'm gonna talk about it, develop it briefly here, is it's kind of a surprise. Be, again, because of the Facebook culture that we have, where man, friends like each other. I like this. I like that. Even the things that we have on our, on our, um, if you have an, an Apple phone, an iPhone. Um, who says Apple phone, by the way? Uh, I do, apparently. If you have an iPhone, and maybe other Android phones do this, but you can heart or like, thumbs up stuff. That's what friends do, right? We like each other. We're, we each other. We go out and have beers and, and pat each other on the back. And Well, it's amazing how much the Proverbs speak about um, a friend being honest in ways that hurt, actually, temporarily, right? And we don't have a lot of that these days. And so I think in a lot of ways, we're not the friends we need to be. I'm certainly not. This is a real challenge to me. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. There it is. How terse is that? Better is hidden rebuke, excuse me, open rebuke than hidden love. Um, and the Proverbs go on, and maybe it's in this next verse here. Verse here. Yep. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Proverbs 20, 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Man, I'd rather be kissed than wounded, but Proverbs say no. No. A good friend is going to wound you. I mean, think about how often God's word, God's word is his relationship to us, his person with us, him in friendship with us, blessing us. His word is a blessing. How often is his word cut you, assault you, confront you, contradict you, make you angry, confuse you? Yeah, a lot. If you're, if you're reading it, if you're spending good time in it, because... That is God coming up against you saying, no, son, no, friend. Mm-mm. This is the way to life. You're going the wrong way here. I see this in you, and because I love you, I'm going to tell you. And uh, that's what friends do. Don't hate your friends so much. So, again, I would rather have kisses than wounds, but no, the Proverbs say, no, better is the wound of a friend than the kiss of an enemy. It's so easy to flatter people. Man, some of the people that hate you the most are people that will just speak niceties to you all the time and and so few friends care enough about their friends to to say stuff to them that they know is going to piss their friend off make their friend angry that their friend's not going to want to hear if you're not willing to do that as a friend you're not a friend i'm sorry 
I'm, I'm not spouting my own opinion here. I'm just telling you what the Proverbs say, and they're right, because this is God's word. Don't hate your friends so much that you never say hard things in love. Be a true friend. Again, who tells us things we need to hear, hard things more than God? You do this with your spouse because you know, I mean, I pray this is the case with you. You're in it for life till death do us part. That's one of the things, the main things that uh, makes a friendship, a, a, a marriage so rich is that you know you're not going anywhere. You're bolted to the ground because you've made this covenant, you've entered into this covenant relationship where you're bound by your word, by the word of God, with him as witness and others that care about you as witnesses, that you are not going anywhere. Through thick and thin, things get hard, you're sticking. And so if you, that's, that's the sort of environment that friendship flourishes in. Because you can say the hard stuff. Because you know that person's not going anywhere. And you're going to have to spend your life with them. So you want them to. You want them to improve. You love them as they are. But you love them so much that you want them to stay as they are. Right? That kind of thing. So as iron sharpens iron, that, that again, proverbial truth that is in, indeed in the property is iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another think about iron sharpening iron man if that iron was sentient it would be crying in pain the way that iron sharpens irons is that it hits it it hits it it hits it again and again and again you're seeing a sword being forged you just get pounded you just get pounded if our friendships don't have something of this quality in them my friends they are not true friendships um, you typically cannot smell your own bad breath, but boy, someone next to you can. There are things that we just cannot, you know, you walk into a room and you've been with yourself all your life. Within five minutes or less, somebody that has never met you can see things about you that you can't see about yourself. We need other people, much more good friends who know us well. We need other people to be able to show us things that we can't see in ourselves. Um, Walker Percy talks about this a fair amount and perceptively and always humorously in um, his book, Lost in the Cosmos. We need others. We are not meant to be alone. We are not built to be autonomous. It's not good for man to be alone. Um, God made a helper for him of equal value. He can look into his eyes and challenge him and stand opposite him and face him and say, I love you. Yes and no. And uh, it's a picture of the Godhead, isn't it? Father, Son, and Spirit. And we need others, too. We need others, too. Um, be that friend. Seek out those kinds of friends. Seek out friends that will speak truth to you in love. My mom always raised us by, with the phrase, a lot of phrases, you know, that resonate. As I get older, I think about them more and more. Um, but speak the truth. Always speak the truth in love. You think about Jesus, who uh, came. John tells us this in his prologue in John 1 in his gospel. He came full of grace and truth. The cross shows us how much God loves us without condition. But it also shows us um, how evil we are and were in our sin and how and the price that he had to pay to make us right before God, to save us. Um, it, it tells us the honest truth about our condition as well as about how much we're loved. And that's what friendship does. Um, Keller, quoting Derek Kidner, says that true friendship is both, quote, reassuring and bracing. Keller goes on to point out uh, brilliantly, I think, that we, we pay therapists to give us good counsel, but it doesn't work both ways. Like, ther- 
therapist is not interested in your counseling, you're giving advice to him or her. Same with coaches, uh, same with bosses. It's a one-way street. But friendship is is rich through mutuality of, of deep counsel. Um, it's rare, sadly, but it's something that everybody needs. He goes on, Keller goes on, you're never going to become the person you need to be or that you can be without it, without friendship. It sharpens you the way that nothing else does. Let me, um, let me close with, you may have, you may have done this in your house church. You may have may not have, but let me close with a prayer from Keller and then, um, with a prayer of my own. Um, and I'll pray this over you, Lord, today to friend something is to like rather than dislike. I've not been conditioned to have friends who dislike things about me and tell me so, but my heart knows and your word says that I need them. Lead them to me and give me the willingness to be open to them. And I would add to seek them out. Amen. And then this is, let me add this prayer. Lord, thank you for the gift of friendship, for the gift of friendship. What a gift it is. Help me be a good friend and seek out and cultivate a handful, a handful of good friendships. Thank you for showing me what friendship looks like by sticking by me closer than a brother when I had nothing to offer you. But my hatred of you, total self-centeredness, death and hell. Thank you for rescuing me, beautiful God, for loving me, for making me lovely, for enjoying me. Help me to enjoy you and to cultivate a friendship with you that we will both enjoy forever. May those around me eat of its fruit and find you in so doing. Amen.